All right, everybody. Good afternoon, Guru and Wiz Fantasy Football Podcast. Hope everybody had a wonderful weekend. Wiz, how are you doing? Doing well. I mean, these are really summer-esque type days here. And, uh, wow, it's supposed to get into the mid to upper 80s uh, here this week. And uh, we're uh, mid-May, and uh, the weather is feeling uh, very much, uh, you know, June, July, August. Uh, and... Uh, Looks pretty good and spectacular. How are you doing? Yeah, you know, the one thing I'm, uh, you know, I, I look at this season upcoming in the NFL, and uh, I look, we have a lot of other sporting events to cover. We're getting baseballs heating up. We got the hockey and uh, basketball playoffs. Uh, next week is the PGA Championship. So there's lots of other stuff going on. But yeah, you get weather like this, and you start to feel like, uh, you know what? This year, unlike last year, we're going to get normal protocol in terms of teams preparing for the season already reading a whole bunch of articles with with quarterbacks meeting with some of the rookies already starting to throw to these players so yeah seeing stuff like that that gets my juices pumped up and and it's part of what we're doing here you know over the next couple of podcasts that we're doing we're starting to venture in a little bit more to some of those we talked about the draft obviously and now we're looking a little bit more closely at some of those situations uh where veteran players moved on to other teams We, we went over the quarterback uh, position the other day and, and today we're going to tackle the running back position uh, you know a position that's near and dear to my heart one of which when you look at what took place in the offseason uh, and yes this is a strange offseason because it's a reduced cap because of COVID but boy the diminished value of running backs much like it's the case I think in fantasy at least from my point of view it's certainly the point of view of owners in the NFL as well when you look at the contracts were handed out very, very few big money contracts. In fact, some of these veterans are coming in, and these guys, good players, really making very little money to play the position of running back. And I think it's probably the most controversial position in terms of stance that owners are going to take when it comes to valuing that position. And not just this season, it's it's been something that's been evolving over the last few seasons, but the diminishment of it, I I think is noteworthy and certainly something that I'm keeping in mind when I enter into my drafts this year. Yeah, I think that's. Uh, I think that all of that is fair. I, I just, uh, you know, I, I just think it's you know, when you look at certain situations and certain cases, it's you know, it's it's pretty, it's pretty remarkable uh, to see. You know, you get, you know, it's just why I, I think you know we we went over this right. We went over like some of the numbers at different positions and what positions are less valuable, how things have evolved. We went all over this. Over the years, I mean, we've looked at like 30 years of fantasy football and uh, how how the numbers and things are evolving. And, uh, you know, when you take a player like James Robinson, who's who's undrafted, and, you know, he gives you the kind of year which he gave you last year, which is over 1,400 yards of offense um, receiving and rushing, it makes you think either – that, uh, you know, unless it's a special, special player, maybe running backs should not be drafted that early uh, as far as the NFL draft concerned or, uh, you know, and, uh, and and should take the wait-and-see approach. And uh, we'll see how that plays out in fantasy football. And I think it's interesting to look at, you know, we're not going to take the rookies into consideration yet. When we get into position rankings, as it gets closer to the season, we, uh, we will. But I think there's a lot of veteran movement at the running back and the wide receiver, and that's what we're going to talk about um, 
today, uh, and we're gonna we're gonna cover the ground with that, and uh, some veterans who've been in the league for a few years, change of scenery, new outlook. Uh, can they over? You know, are they the number one guy? Are they gonna be the one A guy? I think there's some interesting things, and uh, you know, that's what we're gonna that's what we're gonna address on this podcast. All right, so let's let's start with the AFC, and we'll look at the AFC East, where uh, you know there's 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 two additions that to me stand out uh, in terms of guys that were added that came from other rosters. I know James White re-signed with them. I think Rex Burkhead is still up still up for grabs in terms of New England Patriots. But two signings that I think can't be ignored in the AFC East is when you look at the Jets, they're bringing in Tevin Coleman, a player that. Both the offensive coordinator and the head coach are familiar with. Doesn't come in on a lot of money. Now, granted, the Jets went in. They picked up Carter from North Carolina in the draft. Uh, So does a guy like Tevin Coleman, who's been disappointing since his Atlanta days, quite frankly. Uh, He really didn't do much with San Francisco. Very inconsistent. Wasn't able to stay on the field the last couple of years. I think a guy that I'm slightly intrigued with, and, and we talked about the Miami Dolphins situation coming into this into the draft. Maybe they would draft somebody. They didn't. They did sign Malcolm Brown away from the crowded Rams backfield. And, and there's some, you know, look, I know Miles Gaskin and, and, and uh, Salvin Ahmed were very serviceable last year. Malcolm Brown probably brings something a little bit different. You know, he gave you that kind of nose for the end zone with the Rams. So looking at these two players in the AFC East, do you see any fantasy success coming from either one of these guys? Personally, I think it's going to be a lot harder for Tevin Coleman. I could make the case that Malcolm Brown could surprise some people with the Dolphins this year. What's your take on it, Wiz? Yeah, in my preparations for this podcast, those are the two players that I wanted to talk about as well in the AFC East. And when I'm looking at it, I, I, I agree that the more interesting player to me is Malcolm Brown. And the reason I say that is because I, I watched Miles Gaskin closely last year. I had him in a few leagues, picked him up as a free agent, um, you know, beat people to the punch, or if I didn't, I paid up to get the player. And the one thing that he was having difficulty was scoring touchdowns when they would get inside the five-yard line. And I think Malcolm Brown is a better player at doing that. He is a better goal line runner. He is, um, I I just think he's going to do a better job than that. Now, what the split of the carries are going to be between Brown and Gaskin uh, and Ahmed, I mean, I'm not quite sure. When they get down there, I think Malcolm Brown's going to have some opportunities. So between the two players, I like Malcolm Brown over Tevin Coleman as far as maybe making a little bit more of a fantasy impact this year. Tevin Coleman is uh, in a kind of an interesting situation there. Um, he's he, he, the thing that I, I you know when I look at that situation with the Jets is that he's kind of the same type of player as uh, as, as the player that uh, they drafted in, um, in in Michael Carter, except I think Michael Carter is a little more explosive. So I'm not sure how that's going to play out because I don't think he's going to get the goal line stuff. I'm talking about Tevin Coleman. And I think Michael Carter is a little bit better as uh, a catcher at the backfield and a little bit more explosive as a runner as well. So um, I think... Kevin Coleman, out of the two players in the East, may have a little bit more of a difficulty uh, 
in terms of success for this album coming I prefer Malcolm Brown. I don't know what your view on that is. Yeah, I, I, I do. I prefer Brown. I, I don't want to discount another player, you know, a guy who I thought a couple of years ago was the best San Francisco running back, and that was Matt Breida. And Matt Breida couldn't get out of anybody's way when he was in Miami last year. He comes to a team like Buffalo, where we know there was a lot of question marks around their running game last year. But I think for me, uh, it's a player that I would be staring way clear of that he's got one of the most fragile set of ankles that I've ever seen on an NFL running back. And Matt, Matt Breed is in the no-go zone for, uh, for for the guru here, that's for sure. Yeah, I know you. I mean, he's such a frustrating guy because when he's out there and he's playing, you think, wow, that's explosive. You know, that's that. You know, he does some things on the field that a lot of guys can't do, but it's just difficult, you know, if he doesn't stay on the field and it's a kind of a crowded situation between two young running backs that they took early in the last couple of drafts and Zach Moss and Devin Singletary. So uh, I, I think, to be honest, the way I look at Matt Breida, it would take an injury to Moss or Singletary for Matt Breida to become relevant this year. Yeah, and I, when I was looking at the AFC Northwiz, I, I was actually, it, it looked like most of the teams either brought back some veterans, like like Cincinnati brought back Pirine. Uh, we know the situation in Pittsburgh. They went ahead, they, they, they drafted what they deemed to be their, their future at running back, uh, even though probably the only veteran that was brought in in the AFC North is a guy you and I have poked fun at uh, for a number of years. But last year, he actually showed some fantasy life uh, in, in a Charger backfield that was kind of banged up last year, but that was Kalen Balage. Who, who who definitely made an impact in a few games last year. Now, if Pittsburgh doesn't draft a running back this year, then this is this is an intriguing situation. But it seems very crowded in Pittsburgh with the bodies that they have left over, and, and for Balazs to actually make an impact this year, I, I don't I don't see that being the case. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I kind of like Benny Snell. I mean. I, I, I don't know. Again, Anthony McFarland, another player last year's draft that they took with a, with one of their crucial picks. Uh, and now, once again, they go back in and, and take Najee Harris. Yeah, I mean, he could be a plug-and-play guy uh, if if just something were to happen on that depth chart. But uh, going into the draft, um, I'd be hard-pressed to say that Kellen Balazs would be on any of my teams this upcoming year. Z-Man uh, will be happy to hear that. Uh, but let, let, let's move to let's move to the AFC South, um, where I looked at so so Marlon Mack was brought back in Indianapolis. I was very intrigued when Jacksonville brought Carlos Hyde in, into the fold with James Robinson. We know James Robinson had no supporting cast last year. Uh, I, I guess still remains a somewhat intriguing thought, especially when you hear kind of the way uh, Urban Meyer and I'm very, you know, the way they kind of talked about Travis Etienne, he, he was playing wide receiver in, in the mini camps, which I'm going to let you talk about. I, I know this is a very talented uh, pass catcher, but I'll let you opine on that a little bit. But I thought both of these guys were, were in interesting situations. I, I think the one, the, the one team that remains wide open on, on a lot of fronts, obviously, Deshaun Watson's uh, future is somewhat in question, both in the NFL and as a Houston Texan. But the Texans brought two guys into a situation where David Johnson, again, a few games at the end of last year, showed a little bit of life. Philip Lindsay, I still like the player. And Mark Ingram, who is an aging player, are broke 
both brought into Houston. So I, I, I look at that situation, and that, that's a situation where it's an injury away for one of those players actually having an impact, depending on how those players come out of, of, the, of the preseason. So what are your thoughts about the veterans here in, in the AFC South? Yeah, I, I, you know, I, one thing, you know, about the Titans, you know, it, it's always, if you draft Derrick Henry, always at the end trying to get, you know, his handcuff in certain leagues, even though I, I don't, I'm not really concerned about that. I'm more concerned about a backup that if he gets in there, who's going to be able to do something. So I don't think it's any big, any, any, any that big of a deal who the backup is, but it appears that the Titans will Brian Hill for the Falcons over to be Derrick Henry's backup. I think he's probably jumped Darrington Evans in the depth chart. Uh, I agree with you about Philip Lindsay. Uh, I think he's one of these guys that was not used correctly. I think you have the same thoughts about that in, in Denver. Uh, now he's, you know, aligned with, you know, Mark Ingram, guy who's at the tail end of his career, and David Johnson, who had a good year last year, but hasn't been able to stay on the field uh, a lot of times. So I think Philip Lindsay, out of all the guys in this division, you know, veterans that have kind of switched teams, Philip Lindsay is the most interesting guy. Carlos. who had 1,400 yards of offense and a first-round rookie running back in Travis Etienne. So I'm not sure where that leaves Carlos Hyde. But if you're looking at this division, um, I don't know if you agree with this, but the one player where who could be fantasy relevant uh, on his own without needing assistance from an injury on the depth chart, I think that player could be Philip Lindsay. Yeah, that's, that, that's my take here. L- Lindsay looks to be the most intriguing guy. I... I, I... To me, it seems like Ingram's tank is kind of tapped out. So I don't, I don't really think it's him between the two players. But I also think it's a situation where I, I don't like David Johnson either. I think there's a lot of wear on those tires. And, and Lindsey's got some, look, last year, I, I think, underutilized. So, so, that, so, yeah, that's the direction I'm heading in for, for, for the Houston Texans. But, you know, the Texans situation on offense uh, is going to be very, very difficult and, and very challenged. Uh, depending on how this season goes, uh, you know, because we don't think uh, Deshaun Watson is going to be part of the part of the future here. So well, we'll stay tuned on that. And then we'll move over to the AFC West, where I know Mike Boone, your, your former Minnesota Viking, is part of the Denver trio now. Uh, I, I think an interesting pickup, and not saying that this player has been able to stay healthy, but depending on how things pan out injury-wise, Jarek McKinnon is now a member of the Kansas City Chiefs. And I think the biggest splash probably made of any of the running backs in the offseason. And, you know, I've stated emphatically about the usage of, of Josh Jacobs by, uh, by the Las Vegas Raiders. And John Gruden goes and brings Kenyon Drake, who, who by the way, I, I did read that he led all NFL running backs in goal line carries last year, which I was pretty surprised to see. I don't like the way, like I said, uh, Jacobs was used. Uh, he is coming off a DUI, so that's a situation that needs to be watched if it's another strike. But I think Kenyon Drake, they spent a lot of money on him. We know what John Gruden has done with some running backs, and I don't know, maybe this is a case where I, I think Jacobs is very talented, but I've, I've left my head scratching in many a game the way the player's been used, and now you add to the equation 
um, Kenyon Drake. And I know Booker at times looked to be the more effective runner. Devontae Booker I'm talking about, who's now with the Giants. He looked to be the more effective running back on this team at times. So I, I think a situation that bears very close watching is what happens uh, in, in the Raider camp. Yeah, it's funny. The Vikings have a couple of uh, guys who are on the depth chart now on, uh, you know, depth charts of of uh, other teams in this division between, you know, Boone and McKinnon. Um, you know, Boone, you know, would be more of an interesting guy coming this season if Javante Williams was not uh, – I mean, it would be more of an interesting guy, I think, you know, coming into this into this season. If you know, if it wasn't, uh, you know, for what uh, for what that team looks like, and of course, it's always interesting. If aside from them drafting Javante Williams, you know, if they get Aaron Rodgers, you know, it could be a little bit more interesting. But between drafting Williams and having Gordon there, uh, I'm not sure what his path is. As far as McKinnon goes, I think any time that you wake up on a Sunday and you're a Kansas City Chiefs uniform, you have to take notice and like think, what if he gets in there and he's, you know, he's an electric type of player. He just isn't able to stay on the field. So that's one that would become one of the top free agent drafts, uh, you know, free agent pickups of the year potentially if something would happen to Clyde Edwards-Alaire or Darrell Williams. And as far as the Kenyon Drake goes, I, 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 I just... I kind of want to absolve myself from all of these Raider running backs. It's completely frustrating to try and decipher what they're going to do, who's going to get the carries where. It just it seems that game to game, his view on players change and it becomes so unpredictable that I just don't see myself having any equity in Jacobs or Kenyon Drake this year. Yeah, yeah, uh, no, I I share that with you. I, I you know I am staying. I have stated this emphatically already. I was burned by Josh Jacobs in, in a bunch of leagues last year. I will not go back there. But, but my mindset is the same when it comes to Drake. I'm staying away from the race. First of all, I think I think John Gruden's ship as a coach, you know, in ter- look, the Raiders struggled last year in a lot of facets of football. And John Gruden, it seems like, and for me, that some of the game has passed him by. I, I, I know... Their, some of their draft picks have been very questionable. Mike Mayock was probably better off staying at, at the NFL Network because he was very good at anticipating what would happen in the drafts, but not necessarily as a GM. So, yeah, I, I'm definitely staying away from the Raiders situation. I want to make that very, very clear. Yeah, I think, you know. I, so let me ask you this question. Um, for those out there that will draft Jacobs or Kenyon Drake, do you feel at that point – you are married to the other player in terms of needing to get the player or are they their own separate entity kind of, you know, not, not comparing them uh, to the, to, to certainly to Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb, but I'm saying in the event for people out there that draft one of those players, do you think they need to get the other player or kind of, you know, you just, you just look at them as uh, kind of like B running backs where uh, they both have their separate entity. Yeah, I'm on the, I'm on the B running back. I think both players will have value every every once in a while. Each of those players will, will have an impact on, on your fantasy game. But I think the inconsistency would drive you mad. I don't think if you get one player, you need to get the other. Uh, but it's a situation that I'm avoiding at all costs in fantasy. I agree with that. All right, so let's uh, move over to the NFC East, uh, and, and I'm definitely intrigued by the, the New York Giants signing of Devontae Booker. Uh, extremely effective last year, both catching and running the football. Uh, 
Denver Broncos a few years back, but you know, with the Raiders, he really got an opportunity at times last year. Uh, we know that that Saquon Barkley has not been able to stay healthy, so the backup running back for the New York Football Giants is actually a very, very important situation uh, to look at. I, I don't see anything else here in, in the in the in the division in terms of veterans brought in, but when I look at this signing, uh, there is no question that if I'm a Saquon Barkley owner, I am making damn sure that I'm getting Devontae Booker to back him up. Yeah, I completely agree with that. Uh, all the all the all the elements are there. I mean, you have a team that's playing in the division. Uh, you know, with the exception of Washington, you know, you're playing four games against Dallas and four games uh, against the Eagles, and you know, there's, there's a potential for a good running game there. Then you have. Uh, a starter ahead of you who seems one way or another not be able to stay on the field. So I agree if you draft Saquon Barkley, uh, you're going to have to spend money in an auction draft or pick an earlier type or in an earlier type of round to make sure you get Devontae Booker. And uh, I think he, given the circumstances, uh, without looking at this extremely closely yet, I think he's uh, one of the top targets to get a backup running back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, look, we like Pollard. We like Madison. We talked about those players last year. They'll be very high on, you know, in terms of our backup grades this year. But I think Booker, just because you've got a history here and a player that doesn't have a lot of mileage on his tires, uh, you know, look, I like the signing. Joe Judge is, is kind of from the Bill Belichick school, so the running back is a very important ingredient to the offense. So, yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm making sure without a doubt. And you're going to probably, like I said, in, in, in leagues where players are sharp, you know, you're going to have to pay a little bit extra to get a guy like Devontae Booker to back up Saquon Barkley. There's no question about that. All right, so let's uh, move to the AFC, sorry, NFC North. And, uh, you know, to me and, and, and to you as well, uh, you know, Jamal Williams is one of the hardest running running backs in the NFL. Unfortunately, he lands in a spot with the Detroit Lions where, you know, a guy like Swift, uh, who had a very big second half of the season last year, and he's going to definitely be number one. But, you know, you have to think about this, and, and maybe we're looking at a situation where, where new head coach Dan Campbell tries to employ the same kind of thing that Green Bay did, where I think at times last year, both Aaron Jones, I granted they added A.J. Dillon into the equation, but over the, over the last few years, there were games where Jamal Williams, especially when Aaron Jones was out, was a very dominant force as a running back. So, again, a situation where if you're drafting DeAndre Swift, by his own, I think Jamal Williams has value in fantasy without question. But again, one of the more highly valued backup situations that you're going to get in the NFL. They spent money. He stays within the division. A very big signing for the Detroit Lions. And another intriguing signing, a guy who opted out last year, and that was Damian Williams, who had a fantastic Super Bowl back in 2019. He didn't play last year because of COVID. I'm not a Tariq Cohen fan. David Montgomery was terrific last year as the running back in in in, uh, in Chicago. They finally found a way to use him. But I also think without Cordero Patterson there, there's definitely touches to be had. Damian Williams will be fresh coming into this year. Uh, an intriguing signing by the Chicago Bears. Yeah, just real quick, going back to the Eagles for a second, is that you know they, they signed Kerryon Johnson, um, and Miles Sanders is one of these guys. I, I I don't know, I don't know, you know, Kerryon Johnson with a new lease on life, but he's one of the other guys in that East of veterans that um, have switched teams. Just to keep an eye on, uh, you know, they have some other interesting guys. I know they drafted Gainwell. Um, 
in this draft, but just, you know, an interesting signing, I thought. As far as the guys you mentioned, yeah, I think Jamal Williams runs hard. He plays hard. I think he'll be a, a tremendous influence on uh, the Swift. So I, I really like what the Lions have got going on in the backfield. And uh, I agree that he is more and should be looked at more than, than toting the bag for DeAndre Swift. So I, I think he's his own entity uh, in, in fantasy drafts. He could create his own value. And uh, So uh, the bad situation is interesting to me. Montgomery was was so good the last half of the year. It looks like the light switch went on. So how do you view this situation with not only Montgomery and Damian Williams, but Tariq Cohen coming back off that injury, he's going to be in the mix. I don't think he's going to be re-signed to a long-term contract, but he's there this year. So do you look at Montgomery and Williams as kind of in a 1-1-A type situation? Or you look at this where, boy, it's going to be like 75-25% of the touches, Montgomery getting 75%. Yeah, I lean towards the 75% Montgomery. Montgomery showed you he could catch the football last year. He was very effective. Uh, I'm not sure. Tariq Cohen, by the way, just had a tragedy in his family. His twin brother was was killed, uh, unfortunately, eluding cops. He was electrocuted, so... Prayers to his family on that one. A sad story, but he is coming back from a pretty devastating injury. So I'm not really, I mean, I look at Damian Williams as being the backup to to uh, David Montgomery. Montgomery showed you he could run effectively. They found a way to use him. He, he averaged 4.3 yards a carry. Uh, and, you know, there were times where he, he was dominating uh, fantasy games over the second half of the season and had a lot of catches. I, I want to say he caught over 50 balls last year. So, but Damian Williams is, is effective and, and rested not having played last year so we know that player usage is an important thing so I, I definitely think Damian Williams will get his uh, and, and certainly in games where maybe maybe the Bears are playing from behind you'll see a little bit more of Damian Williams because he can catch the football but I, at the end of the day this is still David Montgomery's ball share and carries you know for him to, to for him to thrive in this offense and I think finally the Bears did figure it out so I'm kind of leaning towards that 75-25 but an injury away for a guy like Damian Williams to step up and be an integral factor for your fantasy football team. Yeah, the the I thought the signing was interesting, and uh, for those of you know that remember the last time we were watching. Damian Williams, he was a main, main contributor in the Kansas City Chiefs winning the Super Bowl as he opted out for last year. So we'll see how that goes. And uh, I guess that moves us to the AFC, uh, the NFC South, which has the most, I guess, uh, important or leading veteran switching teams. Yeah, I I agree. I mean, Mike Davis is is a humongous signing in this conference, um, in this this division, excuse me. We know what he did as a backup to Christian McCaffrey last year. They've also added Cordaro Patterson, who they have spoken glowingly about, and I think Arthur Smith, uh, a little bit of an innovative mind when it comes to running backs, could find a way to maybe extract a little bit more value out of the player. But Mike Davis, to me, is, and, and you've discussed this, I think is in a perfect situation and a potential top 15 running back added to a offensive, you know, could be offensive powerhouse in the Atlanta Falcons. Yeah, I mean, there's nothing to dispute there. I mean, you're talking about Matt Ryan. You're talking about... Uh, 
Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley as dynamic as a one-two punch uh, as there is in the entire NFL. And oh, okay. And then and then you add Kyle Pitts to that. Uh, that that is a amazing uh, offensive unit in terms of skill position. And uh, Mike Davis is going to do exactly what's needed of him. Those guys clear it out. He is going to have some wide open spaces to, to 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 make big plays in the passing game, and I just can't imagine that teams are going to load the box up against the Falcons with those three elite receivers uh, running out there. So uh, it's all set up for Mike Davis to have a tremendous year. Yeah, and I don't think I'm exaggerating when I when we say I think top fifteen is something that's definitely achievable for him. Absolutely. No, yeah, I think uh, I think you know the, the the stars are aligned for Mike Davis to have a terrific year. The the only other veteran when I look at in the NFC, I, I don't see anything else in the South. I, you know, I we have mentioned before, and the cap is, is, is an impact. So players are signed at a discount, like a Leonard Fournette, they have a lot to prove. Um, I, you've talked about uh, Gio Bernard added to the mix here. And, but to me, it just seems like a very crowded situation in Tampa Bay. But you like the fact that you think this could be like in a PPR league where a guy like Gio Bernard could, could maybe add some value on a week-to-week basis, to, uh, maybe a good bi-week fill-in. You think he's the type of player that could catch four or five balls a game at times? Is that what you're kind of looking at from him? I like Gio Bernard in this situation. I mean, he he is going to be the, you know, the version of James White that – Tom Brady did not have last year. Listen, I know Ronald Jones and Fournette, they caught some passes, but when you watch them catch the ball, it's not effortless. They don't catch the ball easily. It's not natural to them. Gio Bernard, this is what he does. This is what he excels at, and uh, I just don't think he's a player that should be forgotten about. I think if you're playing in a full PPR league, uh, Gio Bernard is going to – is going to be somewhat valuable, I, I believe. Okay, and the last name that I would that would want to mention in the, in the NFC, and it's in the West, and it's a player that you know I think for a couple of years has burned a lot of fantasy owners. He goes to a team, the Arizona Cardinals, very strong offensive team. We've talked about this before with Kenyon Drake seeing minimal. Minimal uh, in terms of you know eight and nine man boxes against him, so a lot of running lanes for players in Arizona. Given the way they run their passing attack, James Conner and and Chase Edmonds are now together in that backfield. Conner signed for a very low rate. You know, I I know he's been a disappointing player, so it's not going to cost you a lot of money on draft day for certain. Uh, to me. Chase Edmonds is the player that I would rather own uh, for the Arizona Cardinals, without a doubt. But James Conner has definitely something to prove here. Uh, now, the line in, in, in Arizona is not a, necessarily a strong line. But again, uh, they're not going to be seeing intense boxes uh, given the offense that they run. So what do you think about James Conner's prospects here? And how do you view these two players from a fantasy perspective? The best thing that, that that James Conner has going for him is the type of player that Chase Edmonds is, and they just do not want to. They've made it abundantly clear with their drafts, free agent signings, that they do not want and they do not believe that Chase Edmonds is going to handle 18, 22, 25 carries in a game. So he gives them a different element, and I think that's a good thing. James Conner, to me, I couldn't make heads or tails of it. To me, 
sometimes it looked like that Pittsburgh offensive line was getting pushed back and he had no room to run. Sometimes it looked like he just hasn't recovered too many injuries. Sometimes it looked like he's just slow. Um, so it's tough to make heads or tails. And it's similar to the Raiders situation. In a PPR league, I'm more likely to draft Chase Edmonds than James Conner. Yeah, I'm, I'm I'm with you there. I'm with I'm definitely with you there. Uh, I don't. I, is there any other player that you wanted to kind of speak about? Well, that? The, the one player I want to talk about, and he, it, this may be the best running back room in the entire NFL. NFL is Wayne Gallman. Interesting signing who played really well for the Giants last year with the 49ers. So the bad news for Wayne Gallman is that his depth chart is absolutely terrific. Raheem Mostert, Jeff Wilson, Jamichael Hasty. Wayne Gallman, they drafted Trey Sermon from Ohio State, and they probably have the best fullback in the National Football League in Kyle Jusek. So that's the bad news. The good news is some of these guys just seem every single game they're out with some sort of an injury. They play hard, they run hard, and uh, you know, some of these soft tissue injuries. So He's a guy, just keep an eye on the 49er depth chart because similar to the, what we feel about Booker this year with the Giants, kind of took place last year with the Giants, and Wayne Gallman played well when he got his chance. Unfortunately for Wayne Gallman, it's probably going to take an injury to more than one player for him to get his opportunity. But we've seen crazier things happen, so if they start falling by the wayside like they did last year, uh, keep an eye on Wayne Gallman. Yeah, and I think you, you mentioned this is, this is a team that wants to run the football. I think historically Kyle Shanahan's gotten a lot out of a couple of different running backs. We've been frustrated owners in, in, in Raheem Mostert, who whenever he is healthy, is a really exciting player to watch with, with, with terrific burst. We've talked a lot about Jeff Wilson. You add Sermon to the mix. But yeah, you, you'd need a few things to happen in order for Wayne Gallman to get his opportunity. Last year when he did, he was successful at it. So yeah, all good, all good points, Wiz. All good points. All right, so that'll wrap up the running back position. We will tackle the wide receiver position. A lot of moves there. Guru and Wiz Fantasy Football Podcast, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and SoundCloud. And we'll be back to talk about the wide receivers shortly. So, Wiz, thank you very much, and uh, talk to you in a little bit about the receivers. You got it. <laughs> 